Let me uh, be the first person to ask you, I hope, first person, are you ready for the holidays? I hate that question. I hate that question. The week of Christmas, I'm still not ready for the holidays. Um, but I think I'm ready for today. Uh, I, I don't usually like to talk a whole lot of shop, because I don't, but I don't preach real often. So sometimes it's a real adventure coming in. And the, the passage is a scripture that God gave me this week to, uh, or for this week, I would never have put together. So let's take a look first at, at those passages, and, uh, and maybe you'll be as confused as I was when I got them. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Um, I'm going to read them off of here because I want to make sure we're reading the same version. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The second passage comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, I want to pull just a couple little pieces out of, out of each of those. And the main thought from 1 Corinthians is, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And, of course, this being Thanksgiving, the... Uh, from, from 1 Thessalonians is give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will in you concerning Christ or in Christ Jesus. Um, and these two passages stuck in my head so strongly. I said, this has to be what God wants me to preach about. And I spent about two weeks just trying to intellectualize this. How do these go together? What does this mean? Um, and God made it very personal, of course, because it, it comes out of some of my own experiences which are common to you. Um, but let me start with a question. We address God as Lord. Um, why? And why is that hard for us sometimes? Now, it's hard. I think it's hard for people in general. If you don't think so, if you don't think God being Lord, being a sovereign over us is hard, just read the Bible, Old Testament and New. doesn't matter. There were always people who fell away, got distracted, got selfish, didn't trust God, went to, do, to follow someone else or something else. Um, but I think we have a special challenge here in our country because we who were born here have never, ever had a monarch. It's ingrained in our culture that we are our own masters. It's just part of who we are. And it doesn't take long for people to figure that out. I mean, just talk to some preteen. Give, tell them to do something. If, they're, if it's not your own child, and sometimes if it is your own child, what are you going to hear back? You're not the boss of me. Have you, I, I, I don't remember ever saying that. I'm sure we said it differently when I was a kid. Uh, if my mom was here, she would tell you whatever it was that I said back then. Um, it followed with you just like your father. But um, mom will probably listen to the podcast. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, but you're not the boss of me. Kids say that. Adults say that. Um, you're not the boss of me. But God is the boss of us. Um, I pulled this passage out of, out of its context, which... I scold people for doing, but I think it applies broadly enough. 
Um, in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul's speaking specifically about sexual immorality and how you use your body. But his foundation for why you should abstain from sexual immorality is so basic and so foundational. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. We are owned. Does that grate a little bit? Be honest. It grates a little bit. Um, buckle your seatbelts, because this the only way I could do this was to just give a, an overview. And so we're going to fly a little bit here. We are owned because we are created. God spoke the universe into existence. And then he set, knelt down and he formed our first parents. Have you ever made anything? Anything you were really proud of? Because he looked at that and said, oh, that's really good. What happens when somebody tries to take that away from you? Oh, no, man, that's mine. You can't take that. We had a little political controversy back about six, seven years ago because somebody said, you didn't make that. But he didn't just make it, make them. He set one rule. He said, I'm going to give you one rule. And we broke it. And he kicked them out. Off they went. And their descendants got so bad, so bad. He said, I'm just going to kill them all and start over again. You think he was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby used to say that back before everybody hated him. Actually, he said his dad used to say this, that, uh, you know, if if you can't do as you're told, I'll just take you out. I brought you into the world. I'll take you out and I'll make another one to replace you. Um, He saved one family, started all over again. Then he picked one person. Well, he picked one person. He said, look, I'm going to make you a deal. You follow my rules? I'm going to make you a great nation. That's something that followed through for a few generations. You read those stories. Here's <laughs> all up and down stuff going on there. People did some really weird stuff. And uh, eventually, he led them into captivity. Well, it didn't start out that way, but it ended up that way. And uh, it was horrible for them. They were slaves. They started off just being productive members of a society, and they got enslaved. And, uh, and, when, and for the longest time, they, didn't, they just lived, and they started to cry out, and God said, okay, well, we're gonna, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to send you somebody, and we're going to lead you out of captivity. And I mean, that quick, they forgot who delivered them from, from slavery. And he said, okay, fine. You know, I promised you a great place. None of you are going. Once they finally got in the land, it was up and down and up and down. They were obedient. They were blessed. They were disobedient. They got punished. In the end, he kicked them out of the land again. They were taken into captivity and carried off. He brought them back. And then he was silent for like 400 years. No prophets, no communication. And he sent... Jesus. 
Jesus said, there's a kingdom coming. Now, he introduced an idea that had been developing over a few years, a few centuries, but was really still kind of new to a lot of them, and that was eternal damnation. You read through the early parts of the Old Testament, it's not there. And that's not to say that it doesn't belong there. I'm just saying that God dealt with them differently at that point. He was trying to teach them. Um, but now, I mean, now you, you'll hear it just walk down the street. <laughs> well, if I don't believe in your God, he's going to send me to hell. Um, God is big old meanie. Now, you're all looking at me like I'm crazy. Good. Because you would never say that, would you? Of course not. Most of you have been to Sunday school. You know what we mean by a Sunday school answer? That's the kind of answer that you're taught in Sunday school. So you know what the truth is. You know what the right answer is, but do you live like that? Do you really live like that's not what you believe? Let me give you a test. When something goes wrong, is your response, what did I do to deserve this? Not why is it happening, because why is it happening is a good question to ask, as a start anyway, because it might be a consequence of your own actions. It might be God's trying to speak to you about something in your life that's wrong. It might just be that that's life. I'm sorry. (laughs) Stuff happens. Um. But if your first response is, what did I do to deserve this? God's meaning. Because you did something that upset him, and you're being punished. Maybe, but, man, if you're, not, if you're trying to live for him, if you're spending time in his word and listening to him, and you're praying, and you're being obedient as best as you know how, probably not being punished So who's this God you believe in? Let's go back. Let's talk about all those things again quickly. God made our first parents. Picture this with me for a minute. He spoke the universe into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. Man, awesome. All through every step of creation, and he called it good. And then he got to the very end of creation, and he said, let us make man in our image. And he knelt down in the mud and put his hands in it and formed our first father. And I can just picture any workman you know, the pride they take in it, the care, the precision. He wanted Adam to be just so. And there he was, just this perfect lump of clay. And what did God do? He breathed his own life into it. And he became a living soul. That's not a meaning. He loved Adam so much that he breathed his own life into it. What's the next thing he did? He showed him that there wasn't a fit companion in all of creation for him. So he put him out. (laughs) Take a nap, Adam. And that perfect body that was very good, he pierced the flesh. And he pulled out a rib. And he closed that wound over. And he created Eve. 
and made the perfect partner for him. He loves his people. He loves his people. And they were disobedient. And yes, he did kick them out of the garden. Do you remember why? Why were they kicked out? Not, not just because they disobeyed. There was something in the garden. I've lost you all. The tree of life. So we need to get them out of here and block the way so that they cannot get to the tree of life and live forever. If they had been able to live forever in that state, in that state, there'd have been no help, hope for any of us. So even in their discipline, he was looking out for his creation. He was seeing all the way down to when we would be in this room and past that. He said, we need to do this. Because even though there is sin, and even though there is separation, there is a future here, and I know what it is, and I have a plan, and we're going to make this work. When it got so bad that he was going to wipe everybody out and start over again, he didn't just randomly pick Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He said, oh, there's a guy who gets it. There's a guy who gets it. I can work with this guy. I'm sorry I have to start all over again, but I can preserve this one. I can preserve all of creation, get through this punishment, and move forward. And he kept a plan. When he called out Abraham and said, well, Abram at that point, and said, I'm going to make a deal. You love me, worship me, obey me. I will be your God. You will be my people, and I will make of you a great nation. Now, that sounds kind of transactional. And, and, and that really goes back to part of what we talked about at the beginning. You know, you do good, you, you'll get good. You do bad, you'll get bad. But, like I said, read those stories. God was so faithful. Even when his people weren't, God was faithful. And every generation, he renewed that covenant. I think through going down to Joseph, we talked about them going into Egypt. You'll remember the story of Joseph, the, the, all the, the, he being sold into slavery by his brothers and all the ups and downs that he went through until he finally ended up in Pharaoh's court and was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream and prepare all of Egypt for a time of plenty and then a time of famine. And what was the end of re- result of that for Joseph personally? His family came at the beginning of the famine to Egypt. God had a plan to preserve his people and keep his covenant with them. How did they end up in slavery? Well, they were very productive, both um, in terms of economy and in terms of fertility. Um, and he, they, they were, the Egyptians were afraid of them, so they enslaved them. But they continued to prosper. 
so that when God was prepared to deliver them, they were prepared to be a great nation. It didn't take. <laughs> they weren't across the, 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 the Red Sea long at all before they're worshiping a golden calf. God was ready to wipe them out then, too, if you remember, until Moses said, you know, you delivered these people. What did you deliver them for, just to kill them all? And, and God relented and said, okay, I will preserve them, but none of them will enter the promised land except two. Understand, I'm cutting a lot of the story out here, okay? Like I said, buckle your seatbelts on. We're moving. Um, When he delivered them, one of the first things he did was give them a bunch of rules. I mean, a lot of rules. A lot of rules. Rules that when we look back from our perspective, a lot of times don't make any sense. But they kind of divided into little groups. and Well, big groups. <laughs> There's a lot of rules. Some of them were just for their safety. If you do this, it will hurt you. Don't do this. Some of them were to teach them about what their relationship with him was so that they would know who they were because they'd been in slavery. They hadn't had a prophet in all of that time. There was no one to teach them except their parents to what they remembered of the stories, and they didn't have the deliverance yet. I mean, there was a lot of the story that hadn't happened yet. And, but God preserved all of that, and then he wrote it into his law, and he told them, teach your children. When you stand up, when you walk down the road, when you sit by the side, teach your children. Speak the word to one another so that you will all know who I am and what I have prepared for you. He loved them so much that even in his rulemaking, he communicated that love for him. It wasn't just about keep the rules or you'll make me unhappy. It was you will be blessed just by keeping the rules because they're good for you. They're good for you. And then there was a whole cycle of obedience and disobedience, and I invite you to read the Old Testament and see it. But through every one of these cycles, God never, ever abandoned his people. He allowed them to face judgment. Sometimes he rose up enemies to judge them. But always was the call to repentance. And we've been hearing about repentance for several weeks now. It goes back a long way. Repent. Be the people I've called you to be. The, be the people I want to love you into being. Then after the passage of time, when the time was perfect, he sent the Savior. his own son. Part of that law had been a sacrificial system. Um, you know why I discourage you from asking that question, um, what did I do to deserve this? Do you know what you deserve? Me, I'm, I'm not special here. What we deserve, we deserve death. That's what we deserve because of the sin in our life. Even though we deserve death, he sent his son to come and pay that blood debt, to pay the penalty that we owed, 
This is a God who is worthy of our absolute trust and our absolute obedience. Not because he's a big meanie in the sky and he's going to punish you if you don't do what he wants. But because he loves us. He wants our best. And that best is part of a plan. And something that I, I have been trying to, to grab, get my head around. And some of you who know me for a while have heard me say this before. But God has a plan. Now when we say that, we always include the words for me or for you. But I want you to understand, God has a plan. Maybe his plan for you then requires you to go through something unpleasant to fulfill his plan with a capital P, plan. One of our favorite verses to quote is Jeremiah 29, 11. It's for the, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Have you ever read Jeremiah 29.1? i get my pages separate here. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He wrote that to people who were already in captivity the surviving people who were already in captivity. That's not such a happy verse then, is it? Well, it is. I mean, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from it, but it's not the, the happy memory verse that we, put, that we pull out of a box out of context. There were people who died in captivity and they're survivors. And God said, write to those people who are already in captivity, who are, have already seen their wealth taken, who have already been ripped away from their homes, who have lost everything to serve a foreign king as a result of my judgment against them. And tell them, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you. Let me throw in one little tag there. Do you know how long they were in captivity? 70 years, okay? How many people didn't live to come back? God had a plan, and it was a good plan. But it may not have felt that way at the time. But if we're going to claim 2911, we've got to claim the whole package. It's all there. I mean, it's all part of being obedient to God. Um, one of my favorite song lyrics right now is come, comes from a song by Casting Crowns called uh, Just Be Held. And in the chorus, he writes, um, So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. This is the line that always gets my attention. Your world's not falling apart. <laughs> It's falling into place. Doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it's falling into place. Jesus came. There's a word that we used to use a lot, and I don't hear it quite as often anymore. He came to redeem us. When he paid that blood down. Do you know what redemption really means? 
Let me give you a modern example. Now, this is it's going to be kind of hard to see because it's little. But do you recognize what this is? Coupon. coupon. Who owns that coupon? Nope. It's in my hand. I possess it. I'm sorry? The manufacturer owns that coupon. Let me read if I can see the tiny print here. Retailer, we will redeem this coupon in accordance with our redemption policy. Copies available upon request. The manufacturer owns that coupon. Do you know what redemption is? It's buying back something that belongs to you that is no longer in your possession. We belong to God. We belong to him because of creation. We belong to him because of covenant. We belong to him because he pursues us and loves us supremely and paid the blood debt that separates us. We used to even sing about that. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. What does that have to do with Thanksgiving? I told you, it's a hard thing to put together. <laughs> to go from that to... Give thanks in all things. Let me first hit on everybody's favorite subject from school, grammar. Because I hear a lot of strange things come out of this verse. I want to be kind of clear about what it says. It says, give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. It does not say, give thanks for all things. That is a preposition with a different proposition. Please smile, because I thought that was clever and I worked hard at it. (laughs) We're taught that, though. That's a Sunday school answer. (laughs) We're talking about Sunday school answers. Give thanks for all things. Um, And that's one of those things that makes... A life of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, as some of the preachers will tell you, um, a hard thing. Because we sit back, and in the end, if we're really trying, we'll say things we don't mean. Thank you, God, for the pain in my right knee. That's a real thing for me. I have arthritis in both my knees. My right knee hurts all the time. I helped my, two, my, my oldest and my youngest girl move yesterday. Um, it hurts a lot today. <laughs> I am not thankful for the pain in my right knee. There's a lot surrounding that that I am thankful for. And I will give thanks in all of that, in spite of the pain in my right knee. Let me tell you the other thing that it doesn't say. It doesn't say feel thankful. It says give thanks. This is a straight-up act of the will, sometimes. I mean, it's easy to be thankful when things are going well. It's easy to be thankful when... I told my wife I was going to talk about her. Last year, just a little, not quite a year ago, she had a stroke. 
mild stroke. Um, and she's pretty much fully recovered. <laughs> she's making faces at me. I am thankful that my wife is, is fully recovered. I don't have to work at that. I don't have to try hard. I don't have to ponder. There is not an act of the will attached to that. I am grateful. Because I will tell you, fellas, as far as I'm concerned, I have the best wife in the whole wide world. Now, you better think so about your wife, too. Uh, we're not going to have a competition here. But if you try, you'll lose. As far as I'm concerned, I have the best wife in the whole wide world. There, and I mean, we, we could all tell stories about the last year of our lives. I, we've, we've prayed for a lot of you. Some of you have had real-life problems. Um, I had a car that was just, I mean, every eight weeks it was in the garage. I'll have consequences from that for a long time. Uh, although, fortunately, I don't drive that car anymore. My dog died. How many of dog owners? It's horrible. My dog died. Now, she was old. I mean, she was 13 years old. That's pretty old for a dog. I was not thankful that my dog died. I was thankful that I'd had a dog for 13 years. I could, as an act of the will, be grateful for the good things that God had done for the good things that he had made possible. And when I didn't feel it for his constant, loving attention to my life, even when I didn't feel it, how do I know I had it? Because he said so. Amen. He said so. I'm there for you. I will give you another comforter. That's what Jesus said to his disciples before he left. One who comes alongside, he will be with you always. That Holy Spirit comes and indwells our hearts. We're never, never alone when those things are tough. Can you give thanks in all circumstances? Sometimes, and it's a... Sometimes it's a dive on your knees and an act of the will kind of thing. God, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know the purpose of this hard time I'm going through. I don't know why my dog died today. I don't know why my car's in the garage again. I, I, I don't know why we had to go through the whole stroke thing. I still don't know. I don't, I, now, I tend not to ask why because I don't usually get an answer anyway. So um, I just found it to be a useless expenditure of energy. But God is trustworthy. His love is reliable. His presence is constant, even if you can't feel it. I do want to tell you a story about the dog, though. I, I, I don't usually title my sermons because I make fun of people who do that. Um, but I, I did. I gave this one a title. Um, I called it Sovereignty, Gratitude, and a Little Black Dog. Um, that is not the dog that died. She was a white dog. I'm on the email list for the Humane Society. So every time they have a, a free dog adoption thing, 
I go and look and see what kind of dogs are there. Um, just to be nosy, because we weren't really ready for a dog. And it's almost always something that's part pit bull. I got nothing against pit bulls. My, my oldest girl owns one, and he's phenomenal. Um, but they're big. I don't want to, and they all think they're lap dogs. I don't want an 80-pound lap dog. Okay? <laughs> lap dogs are, I mean, I, I like the idea of a lap dog. My wife and I have been talking for months now about what kind of dog we would get when we were ready to get a dog. And we were going to buy a puppy because we're getting to an age where we'll just kind of all age together and get old together, and, and it'll be wonderful. And Well, for Veterans Day, they had a, somebody was sponsoring the, 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 the adoption fees for veterans. And so I looked, and there was this little black dog. So they say it's a Shih Tzu Poodle mix. Not the kind of dog I was looking for at all. He's 11 years old. He's blind in one eye. And they told us he wasn't housebroken. And I don't know why, but I had to have that dog. We do. <laughs> we went out Saturday, a Veterans Day weekend. And there were, there were actually three little Shih Tzu puppies there. Well, there was a puppy. It was a dog about six years old. And then there was, they called him Bootsy. We're calling him Mr. Boots. Um, that's partly so we get used to not calling him she because... The last dog was female, um, and partly so we get away from the cutesy name. But uh, he's perfect. I would never have thought an 11-year-old dog who was half-blind and actually doesn't need to be housebroken. I don't know what was wrong with the people who surrendered him, but I'm thankful that they did <laughs> because I had this perfect little dog and a wonderful wife who didn't get in the way of that, even though she still grieves the last one. God is good, Amen. and he will surprise you sometimes. Why all of that? We often, if we're not attentive, Live like God is the big meaning. We would never say those words because we're good church people, and good church people don't talk like that about God because God loves us. But we live that way, don't we? We forget God's goodness, and we forget God's faithfulness because we're going through stuff. And sometimes he's not evident in the stuff, and we wonder what's going on in this stuff. Where's God when my heart's breaking? Where's God when my wife's in the hospital? And, I mean, you all have your own stories. Fill in your own blanks. But God is there. He is always, always there. He loves us so much that he pursues us and he is worthy of our trust and when we understand that and we honestly folks we're going to have to remind ourselves this is why we need to spend time in the word 
Because we need to see, we need to see people who've gone through it. Read the Psalms. David went through this. He went through the agony of feeling like he was alone. And always those end with, thank God. Praise God, because God is God, and he knows, and he's going to care for me. You will see this over and over and over again as people suffer the way we do, or worse, because they didn't have electricity or running water or any of that kind of stuff. Enemies who would kill them. People who went through things we couldn't even imagine in our own lives still went through the hard times and still were able to give thanks. Who is the God we serve? He is the one who who pursues us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, and I choose that term deliberately, Lord Jesus, it's easy for us to get so wrapped up in stuff Lord, we're coming up on a time that culturally is is hard for many people. It's fraught with high expectations about what people are going to be like and who's going to be there and how they're going to behave. And and we want the best and we want it to be a happy time. And all too often it's not. Remind us as we go through this period and and on beyond because it needs to be a, a a life foundation that you love us, that you care for us, that you know what's going on in our life, that when we go through those hard times and when we face those difficult people, that we are not alone, that we can give thanks in all things because you are trustworthy. We won't go through anything that surprises you. Like that song lyric says, your life isn't falling apart, it's falling into place. I can't see what that is. I don't know what it's going to look like. But when I get there, it's going to be awesome. Lord, help us to keep these things in mind. That when we face that next problem, that we won't ask why, unless there's a reason why that we need to know, that we won't blame you and we won't wonder where you're at, but that we will run to you and say, God, I know you're there, but I'm scared. Lord, I know you're there, but I'm hurt. But in all of that, in whatever anguish I'm facing, I will give thanks to you, if for no other reason than because I know I am not alone. In your name, amen.